Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful for the faithful. Uh, I'm Bruce McCurdy with the Edmonton Journal's Cult of Hockey, and I'm here tonight with my colleague Kurt Levins from Pender Island in British Columbia, where Kurt appears to be uh, uh, in contact with us by candlelight tonight. Kurt, what's going on? <laughs> well, not too far off, actually. We have a windstorm out here on the West Coast, and the power is out, but... Uh... My backup source is running my Wi-Fi, and I've I had charged up my phone in advance, and I have an oil lamp behind me. <laughs> well, that I'm, seems appropriate. I'm serious about the oil lamp, and so mm-hmm. uh, I had enough juice to to watch the rest of the game and do the podcast uh, with you. Well, well, the oil lit the lamp seven times tonight, so maybe that's an appropriate thing to have. Edmonton beat Chicago seven to three, and and a pretty overwhelming performance by the Oilers. Uh, they clearly did not want to go into the break with another loss under their, uh, uh, under their, uh, uh, skin. So, uh, they made sure and they made, uh, short work in a, in about a 10 minute span in the second period when they pumped four in a row, uh, past uh, Peter Mrazek, uh, between 637 and 1448. So eight minutes and 11 seconds. It went from one, one to five, one. And then it was... Uh, then it was just time to uh, attend to details like get Patrick, or sorry, get Evander Kane off to Schneid. Mm-hmm. And then in the very late going, it's a very special moment when uh, tonight's emergency backup goalie uh, for the Oilers, uh, one Matt Berlin, uh, with a four-goal lead, uh, was given the nod to come in and play the last uh, uh, almost three minutes of, uh, of regulation. Uh uh, turn turn aside every shot he faced, and uh, uh, got the uh, huge congratulations from the Oilers at the end. That was fantastic to watch. Yeah. How 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 pumped the team was by this by this event. You know, this is one of those things that happens once in a long while. Maybe once every couple of years, you have to dress an e bug. Uh, right. But not very often the guy actually has to come in and play. And tonight he didn't have to come in. It was a choice. Yeah. And it was a choice earned by the fact that the Oilers had such a big lead that uh, uh, they didn't, uh, uh, you know, they, they weren't taking any serious chances by doing what they did. And they gave the kid the thrill of a lifetime. Yeah. Two so, things. One, I, yeah. I, I hear that the, there's already the nickname going around the Internet, the Berlin Wall, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which I think is pretty fitting. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah, and I think it was super classy of Jay Woodcroft to do that. He yeah. didn't need to do that, mm-hmm. uh, but the fact that he did and how his team and how the crowd reacted mm-hmm. to it, pretty clear that was not only a good human being call, but the right hit, that pushed all the right buttons. It was pretty spectacular. The crowd loved it. The players loved it. You know what's what's not to love? So it got on Hockey Night in Canada. It was pretty. Yeah, it sure did. Yep, <laughs> yep. I see the green and gold goalie gear in there. And anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, about the Berlin Wall uh, at the end of uh, uh, towards the end of the podcast. But uh, we got lots of other things to talk about, including uh, our usual two bad good things, two bad things, and two numbers. And of course, with a 7-3 blowout win, we're going to do two good things each. And I'm going to, as usual, Kurt, turn to you for the uh, for the leadoff item. Well, we already talked about one goaltender. I'll talk about the other one here. Jack mm-hmm. Campbell, who since Christmas has played way more like the Jack Campbell that Ken Holland thought he was signing in the offseason. 
mm-hmm. uh, was pretty solid tonight. And I'll admit, I was concerned partway through this game because the Blackhawks were hanging around. Hanging around. And, you know, they have just enough good players. Uh, if they hang around, they can win a game. You know, anybody can beat anybody in any given night in the NHL. Um, and, and at one point the game was two to one and the Blackhawks sprung for a three on one. Uh, and I forget who the third guy was. Maybe you remember Bruce, but I know that, that, uh, Taves and Domi were the other two guys. Right. And so down they came Oilers leading two one down the ice. They came in the second period, uh, on a three on one a puck goes to Taves. Taves gets a good shot away. Terrific save by Jack Campbell. They go right back down the ice and score the 3-1. And to me, that was that flipped the switch, and away the Oilers went from there. It went from Chicago hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, to that's when the dam broke. And I think I can circle on my score sheet the point where that happened, and it was the big save by Jack Campbell. Club turned it the other way gained the two-game lead, and I really thought they just steamrolled Chicago after that. So Jack Campbell's save when the game was still 2-1 is my first good thing of the game. Hmm. Right on. All right, well, I'm going to uh, uh, talk of the, I think the game that the the, uh, Oilers' big guns had tonight, and this was all of... uh, uh, oh, good, they fixed it. Uh, all the guys that s- scored three points tonight, uh, which include uh, Connor McDavid, who's uh, got two assists on the power play. The Edmonton's first two goals came on their old reliable power play. And then they finally got the five-on-five game going uh, uh, with Connor uh, scoring the winner uh, on uh, the old Gretzky play where he mm-hmm. set up behind the net. Uh, tried a couple of passes from there and then finally made the what Gretzky used to do once in a while from his office, which is walk right out from behind the net on the backhand side, come right out into the slot and found a backhand shot. Wayne used to put it right in the roof of the net. Uh, Connor <laughs> put it just inside the post, Beautiful far goal. post, but same outcome. Uh, that turned out to be the game winner. Uh, Zach Hyman had another another big game, a goal and two assists. And uh, just all around the puck as usual and all around the net casting screens, you know, like he he gets there are goals scored where he doesn't get a point, but he gets a he gets a, a plus mark from us at the cult of hockey for making a positive contribution to the goal, typically a goalie screen or causing some kind of chaos in the range uh, or or even simply winning a battle, which doesn't necessarily result in a scoring point point but it results in Edmonton keeping possession that eventually leads to uh, to the goal and we saw basically all of those things from uh, uh, from Hyman tonight and we also had uh, of course Leon Drysaddle bouncing back from I thought was an awful game on Wednesday mm-hmm. against Columbus so that was a very poor game by Leon and he knew it and he played like he knew it and he brought his uh, Brought his game. He brought his two-way game for uh, uh, for the most part. He won a lot of puck battles and he distributed. I mean, there was one play in the second period where he uh, came back and lifted a stick on the back check, immediately turned and rifled a perfect stretch pass to McDavid for a breakaway. Maybe that was early in the third period. Anyway, it was a. I think McDavid had 
what, maybe four breakaways in this game of different types, two that were sort of two breakaways and two where he got sort of in behind everybody. And he couldn't score on those, but he sure was uh, sure was making sparks fly. And uh, that particular time, Dry set him up. And, of course, uh, Dry pounded home one goal, got absolutely rooked out of another one by a weak, lame, pathetic yeah. goalie interference call where McCabe basically didn't even touch the guy. Yeah. Uh, and Mrazek just lost his post and fell off the post and then left the side open for the rebound, which Leon promptly deposited. And the ref in the corner decided that he'd seen... Uh, goalie interference on the play and just incidental contact. It wasn't a penalty or anything, but uh, uh, the Oilers could have probably challenged it and they good chance they might have won. But I think Woodcroft thought it's 5 1, it's yeah. two minutes left in the second period. We challenge it. First thing we do is we piss off the ref who just made that call. But secondly, it costs us a power play. Chicago scores and gets a bit of life. You know, it's just a, the, I think he just kind of made a defensive non-call Woodcroft mm-hmm. to not challenge. Yep. I think he had part, a really good case. Yeah. Uh, and then the final of the three-point guys, and this will be enough good things for one good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Darnell Nurse, three assists, plus three, and all over the ice uh, in a very good way for the most part. Uh, I saw him real good in this game. Uh, very dynamic. We saw the dynamic Nurse tonight, and he was skating, and he was creating stuff in the in the uh, in the offensive zone, and uh, he was uh, he came in for uh, his own shot and a close-in rebound on the goal that uh, McLeod picked it up and he banked it in off of Seth Jones from behind the net, and uh, puck just barely went over the line. Originally they scored it unassisted, but they fixed that, and it was uh, uh, but he you know he was in the middle of those uh, those weren't cheap assists really any of them. Nope. And and I just I liked his game a lot and I will just uh uh I'll stop there for my first good thing because that's already <laughs> four that's what thirty thirty six million dollars in salary I probably mentioned already. So that's <laughs> that takes yeah. a pretty wide swath of the team. But the, the 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 good news here is that the big boys showed up to play yeah. and played well. Yeah. And uh, you know, you can uh Nugent Hopkins, he only had two points. Tyson Berry, he only had two points, both goals. Ryan McLeod, two points. So they're, you know, they were they were really producing all up and down the lineup. Well, you know, my second good thing, I'll bounce right off that because I saw the exact same game that you did tonight, Bruce. Mm-hmm. And uh, this game was in stark contrast to the Columbus game, which, quite frankly, pardon my French, pissed me off. Um, I just think this, agree more. Yeah, I just think this hockey team is better than that. I don't mean yep. any disrespect to Columbus. Uh, but if you really want to win your division, you've got to win those damn games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the Oilers in the Columbus game came out and were the best team for over the first six, seven, eight minutes. Yep. Then I thought they got frustrated and yep. they started uh, trying for stretch passes. They ended up with unforced icings. And I honestly thought their impatience uh, gave that game away. Yeah. Um, and they were full measure for the loss. I, I wasn't even angry when they lost in overtime because I kind of thought halfway through the game, I thought to myself, you know, they're going to lose this. Um, 
hope but, we got a point. <laughs> yeah, right. But this is the this is the Chicago game, not the Columbus game. Right. But I thought to myself, well, let's see if they learn something from that mm-hmm. and and come to this game tonight and mean business. And I really thought they did tonight. A way more complete game, a very contained game. You didn't see a bunch mm-hmm. of those stretch passes this time. Um, Darnell Nurse was particularly guilty for attempting stretch passes that didn't come near anybody right. in the Columbus game. Where yeah, 11 thought, icings in that game, Kurt, 11 icings. Wow, I didn't realize it was that many, but it was. I was. <laughs> you could count them one after another, that's for sure. 27 giveaways and 11 icings. That was my number last podcast. Yeah, well, I can see why. (laughs) Well, but you know what? Your point on that the big boys came to play tonight, those are also the leaders on this team. And, you know, maybe as a group, they kind of looked at that effort against Columbus and said, that's just not good enough. Um, And tonight, their effort was good enough plus some. So I'll give them credit for this. This is a game they needed to win, should have won, did win in convincingly. Um, and maybe that Columbus, uh, effort is the last one of those that we'll see this year. We hope and cross our fingers. <laughs> That's my second good thing. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I need to have a second good thing. I filled up the first good thing with good things. <laughs> you I? used up all your ammo. <laughs> yeah. I was much, much of my ammo. Uh, well, I, I will give um, uh, uh, I'll give some credit to uh, uh, I think Evan Bouchard. I enjoyed his game. I thought he was he was way more alert and passing the puck with authority, shooting the puck with authority, and just sort of like. He was one of the several players who was way off their game last night. Yes. Last time. And this time around, it was a, a, a much better effort and, and a much stronger um, uh, positive with the, um, you know, the shots on net, the, the flow of play while he and Brobery were out there. And Brobery had a couple of sort of shaky moments, but I thought Bouchard was... Uh, uh, I thought he was probably the better of that two tonight, and I haven't always thought that in recent times that they've been together. But uh, uh, just a little pat on the back for the guy. I mean, tonight he's got no points, uh, three shots, uh, five shot attempts, a takeaway, two block shots, nothing bad, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the you know, no giveaways. And, uh, you know, that's uh, been uh, part of his... Uh, part of his issue and you know not that he was a particular standout in the game because the whole it was a whole team effort and if you prefer my second good thing can just be that the top to bottom i thought the team put in a real solid effort and they're all going to be getting passing grades tonight yeah you know evan bouchard for my money bruce when he brings added urgency to his game mm-hmm. he's fine to yep. me to me that is his kryptonite um and i wonder sometimes if it came from playing too many you know, in the rock and chair, 25 minute games in junior, um, where honestly he didn't have to be that urgent to be successful at that level. Um, he was Chris Pronger at that level. Yeah, he really was. Right. Uh, but to, to your point tonight, I saw more urgency in his game. He was winning races to the puck. He was winning board battles. When I see those little things out of Evan Bouchard, I figure he's going to have a good night. And I Mm -hmm. agree with you. I thought he was solid. Mm -hmm. Excellent. 
So what do you got for a bad thing? Well, not much. And I hate mm-hmm. to pick on this player because I'm a big fan of Dylan Holloway and I've written about him many times in, in nine things. Um, but I'll point out a mistake tonight. Uh, and it was, it was late in the game. So the game wasn't in question. Um, but the Oilers are, are going, are going up the ice and it's, it's, it's seven, two. Um, and Holloway goes up the ice. He gains the blue line. And then with time ticking down in the third period where you're ahead at that point, you put that puck into the corner. You get it deep and you make their defenseman go back and get it. Instead, after he stepped over the blue line, he tried to make a cute little lateral play. Gave the puck away, went right back in the other direction and ended up in their own net. Um, I think think that Dylan Holloway's game has really grown progressively through through the season. And we're seeing these things fewer and fewer, but you can still see the fact that he's a rookie playing in the NHL. Uh, 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 Matthias Janmark, for example, when he gains the blue line in that situation, he'll dump it into the corner. And that's the play that Dylan Holloway should have made with that too. Uh, I, I tapped him primarily at fault for that goal. Mm-hmm. And it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. And it's a tough lesson for him to learn. It, I guess at least he's making that mistake in a seven, two game uh, where it's a teaching moment mm-hmm. and not a, you caught your cost, your team, the game moment. Right. All rookies make mistakes. I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to bash on them, but that's one of those as, as he was skating up the ice, Bruce, I was saying, just get it deep kid. Just get it deep. But then mm-hmm. he tried that lateral pass and boom, jailbreak the other line pass. Yeah. He, yeah. He passed behind the back, basically across the zone and, it got picked, and then the defensemen were scrambling hard from that moment on. Yeah, plain recovery. And I'll give him credit. The kid busted his ass and, and, and got back into the play. But the fact of the matter is it was it was his mistake that caused caused the, the, the turnover and the rush in the other direction to begin with. So um, right. li- live and learn. He'll be fine. Um, I, I like the role Jay Woodcroft has him in now, and I've been a critical of Jay Woodcroft's handling of him this year. I think right now he's actually in a pretty good spot, but plays like that, he's going to mm-hmm. have to learn from. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and my, um, uh, we've been talking a fair bit about him making rookie mistakes this year, and and the times I've been more critical of him is when he makes the same mistake that he's made before and where you hope he does learn from it, like bad line changes. Uh, Dave and I have had a couple of back and forths about that. Yeah. Where he just kind of abandons his position to make a change because his line mates are changing. And usually when your line mates are changing, is the very time to not make a change. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, you know, do it sequentially rather than have all three forwards at the bench or all six forwards at the bench at once because you got three coming off and three going on. <laughs> and he's done, he's made that mistake a couple of times. And that's probably the harshest criticism I had for him at any, at any point. But yeah. uh, he, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's just oozing with talent. He makes, you know, you see these little snippets and vignettes every game of a real good, partial plays it just doesn't quite finish somehow the pass gets deflected away at the last minute after he's made a good rush and move and mm-hmm. picked out the right pass receiver but you know it just doesn't quite click but you can you can just see the potential 
And this is a guy who's got a long track record of uh, of coming into a league, being pretty average the first year he's in it, and then tearing it up the second year. And I'm not saying he's going to tear up the NHL, but I am saying he's going to be better. Yep. And year two, and probably by a significant amount. So. Yep. The game will slow down for him. You know what I mean? He'll 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 see things more cl- clearly at at ice level the more reps he gets. It's. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll just have to be patient and sit through the odd one of these because they are going to happen. Just like we've seen from Evan Bouchard, right? It's, it's, it's just, it comes with the game when, uh, when a rookie is trying to perform at the NHL level. Right. All right. Well, my bad thing, uh, I don't have much bad to say about this game. And I already kind of talked about the thing I'm going to pick, which is that call on the, uh, on what should have been dry 30th goal of the season on the goalie, mm-hmm incidental contact ruling where yeah isn't it rough wouldn't the ref be better off to say it's a goal and let chicago challenge it yeah you know yeah. if it's obvious they're going to challenge it and it's going to get called back in the end of like when i first saw it i thought he didn't really touch him mm-hmm. and he just Morazic just lost his post and fell back making the first save like Morazic is not exactly your uh, your great positional goalkeeper, and it was a, no, you know, to me it was a goaltending <laughs> mistake. Yes. And Drysaddle immediately made him pay for it, but uh, Stripes let him off the hook. Uh, in more general terms, my bad thing is that McDavid only got three points tonight, not seven or eight like he could have had, because <laughs> he had all his breakaways and he couldn't finish any of them. Yeah. And it was uh, uh, it was a night where they really could have made hay, and in the end, they, uh, uh, you know. Obviously, they had pretty good games, but uh, was uh, uh, there was more there tonight than what they wound up getting. But mostly, what they got was the two points, and that's really all we all we care about. Mm-hmm. So. You know, the officiating overall, I thought, was pretty shaky in this game. It mm-hmm. had no bearing on the outcome whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I lost count of how many times they threw Leon Drysaddle out of the faceoff circle, and it's like, come on, <laughs> you know, drop uh-huh. the puck. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they had, there was a pretty lame too many men call in that game oh, that I didn't yeah. like at well, all. Had, the puck hadn't even got to him, right? It's yeah, like, no, that was pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes uh, I, I like to say this. Uh, remember, Mr. Referee, we did not pay the admission to watch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, the PK killed three out of the four tonight, and they've been doing a hell of a lot better since mm-hmm. uh, since uh, DeHarnay came into the lineup eight games ago, and they're 7-0-1, and I think they've given up two power play goals in those eight games, including yep. the meaningless one in the third period tonight. So Yeah, I think DeHarnay's done a nice job, and we're getting some stops now, Bruce, which is mm-hmm. sure nice. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right, let's move on to our numbers. Kurt. My number is eight. Mm-hmm. Eight is now the number of uh, uh, Alberta Golden Bears that have now played an NHL regular season game for the Edmonton Oilers. Matt Berlin becoming the eighth with mm-hmm. his two plus minutes in the crease tonight. <laughs> and and the resulting uh, post-game interview with Scott Oak on Hockey Night mm-hmm. Canada and, and a save and, uh, and uh, the story he'll be able to tell his 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 grandkids. It's mm. uh, we we kind of opened the podcast with that, but when I saw that number go by, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And, and I thought it was notable uh, when when Derek Ryan came up and gave him a hug after the. Oh game. right, right, yeah. You know, one former Golden Bear to another. I thought that was rather poignant as well. So. How many of the eight can you name, Kurt? 
Oh boy, not not very damn many because I just I, <laughs> I lifted the stat off of off of somewhere else. Oh okay. Um, so it's I, I I didn't really have to do some research. Uh, Randy Gregg. Randy is it's the obvious one. one right? uh, Ian yeah. Ian Herbers. Herbers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Primo played with the Oilers in WHA and did he in the NHL briefly? Uh, he was from that great uh, three in a row team. Oh the yeah. Claire Drake and Billy Moore's team. Of course, there have been many coaches, uh, including Claire Drake, Billy Moore's, and Ian Herbers, uh, that have all uh, come from uh, uh, from U of A. Uh, and uh, do and uh, yeah, the guy guy right mm-hmm. now that was assistant here a few years ago. Um, yeah, it's been uh, uh, been quite a few. Curtis Muka was one who got the chance as the e bug, but but play you know, dressed, you know, backed up for an entire game, but never got that last minute chance. Yeah. Uh, the way that uh, that tonight's fellow did. Yeah. Uh, Corey Cross would be one. Of course, Derek Ryan is one. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I should be able to name all eight because I'm pretty sure I saw them all play with the, with both teams. You probably did. Kevin so Primo. So I think I'm up to six or seven now. So Kevin Primo played seven games with the Oilers in the WHA. Okay. Uh, he played two games with the Vancouver Canucks in the oh, NHL. Okay. All right. So really good guess, but I think by the strict sense of the rule, he probably doesn't qualify. So right, as long as yeah. if it's orders, NHL orders that they played with, if it's WHA orders, then yeah, you know. Anyway, there's. Uh, but I well, you know, in 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 some frame, because you and I feel the same about the WHA. We're both WHA yeah, fans. Yeah, right? absolutely. So uh, so let's so what the hell? Let's count them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, What's your yeah, number? My number is 1,000, mm. and that is the career save percentage of one Matthew <laughs> Berlin. Uh, so right now, if you go to NHL.com and you click on, click through statistics to uh, individual statistics and click on goalies, and then if you click by season and you choose every season from 1917-18 when the NHL began, to 22-23, and then sort the goalies by save percentage. Number one on the list, who just came up here in the last few minutes when we talked before the podcast, he wasn't here yet, Matthew Berlin, 1,000 save percentage. He's the 21st goalie to have that percentage in their uh, careers, uh, of which uh, three played in parts of two games and uh, all the rest played in parts of one game. And the longest that any of them played was 30 minutes, no, 30 minutes and three seconds. Cody Rudkowski. Uh, I remember the famous Robbie Irons uh, incident in the uh, uh, 1968-69 season when he came in to replace an ejected Glenn Hall, uh, the famous uh, uh, Stony Plain uh, resident and uh, former Edmonton Flyers two-time Western Hockey League champion, uh, and Hall was wearing his first game wearing the mask, and he and he didn't like the mask, and he let in a bad goal, and then he snapped at the ref, and the ref kicked him out. Mm. And Scotty Bowman kept a, a youngster backing up because he didn't want Jacques Plant and Glenn Hall sitting on the bench for 40 games each of the year. So he had a third goalie, used them as the backup, and as soon as Hall got kicked up. 
uh, Jacques Plant came down from the, uh, uh, you know, from the from the uh, upstairs, mm-hmm. put on the equipment as fast as he could, and came out to play because there was no rule against using the third goalie in those days. Uh-huh. So the idea was if the backup did have to play, it wouldn't be for long. And in fact, Robbie Irons played two minutes and fifty nine seconds, <laughs> and then Jacques Plant, the future at that time, future Edmonton Oilers goalie, uh. came out and replaced him. So Robbie Irons retired with a 1,000 save percentage on one save, uh, two minutes and 59 seconds, and the distinction of playing in a game with both Glenn Hall and Jacques wow. Plante, two of the greatest goalies of all mm. time. Mm. How's that? <laughs> and how's that for Scotty Bowman being ahead of the curve? This was no, a young kidding. Scotty Bowman in St. Louis. No. He had it all figured out with his two old goalies, how to, <laughs> how to, how to ride them to maximum. They, uh, they won the Vezina Trophy, and they had a, just a fantastic season. Uh, anyway, uh, now tied with them is Matthew Berlin, officially listed first because he's the most recent. One game, one shot, one save, 1,000 save percentage, 0.00 goals against average in 2 minutes and 26 seconds. And I would put the odds now very high that he will retire with those numbers as a permanent <laughs> record of his employment in the National Hockey League. And I uh, think that is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations to you, Matt Berlin. Absolutely. Two quick <laughs> things off that. One, I just checked. He's up on, on Hockey DB now. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. His, his one they're game fast. with the Edmonton Oilers is registered. Yeah, the guys at Hockey, they're great guys, by the way. I've talked with uh-huh. them a few times with, with my brothers and cousins and that kind of stuff, and they're terrific. So they've got his game is two minutes, his goals against average is zero, and his save percentage of 1,000. So when it's on Hockey DB, it's it's the yeah, well, real it's deal. It's NHL.com, too, right? So he's in, yeah. he's in there. So yeah. I thought they might take him a while to, you know, sort of add him to the list because he's sort of come out of left field. I mean, he's not the number one or even the number two at U of A. No. Because the team is on the road. The Bears are playing a, a road game tonight. So, of course, the regular goalies were there. And the the number three, the practice with the team, and might play a little bit, but he uh, doesn't travel with them when the other two guys are healthy. So he was available as the e-bug, and he got his chance, and he seized the day. He carpeted. Carpied the DM. And <laughs> you know, the other really cool angle here is that both he and Stuart Skinner were goaltenders yeah. together on the Southside Athletic Club. Yep. This makes him the fourth member of that same team to play with the Edmonton Oilers this season, along with uh, with uh, Tyler Benson and James, and Hamblin, James right? Hamblin. Yeah. And of course, Skinner is the... Is the uh, poster boy of that set the other guys have just been a little bit fill-in players here and there and i mean not much more of a small role in two minutes and 26 seconds but um it's amazing that that powerhouse team uh edmonton south side athletic club the the uh, uh u15 i think they were at that time and and they were they were in the headlines at the time for being so good, especially Tyler Benson. But uh, yeah, uh, they were, uh, um, you know, they were tearing it up. And now to see all these Edmonton, I would have to think that uh, I guess Skinner wasn't in the lineup today, so we didn't quite have a situation where we had two Edmonton goalies dressed because Skinner was the guy he replaced. But yeah, but two guys on the rock. Kind of kind of a cool story. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Incidentally, you mentioned Glenn Hall when I covered the Flames back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Uh, Glenn Hall was almost always up in the press box, and I frequently sat beside him. Oh, uh, yeah. And nice. A, what a classy gentleman. 
and and B, he tells fantastic stories. Uh-huh. Uh, just I couldn't begin to recount because he's such a good storyteller, mm-hmm. plus all the experiences he had. So you mentioned Glenn mm-hmm. Hall, so I kind of wanted to to sneak that in here. So Glenn Hall is one of my heroes, Kurt. I wrote a long mm-hmm. story about him and the Edmonton Flyers when I was writing for the Copper and Blue uh, a number of years ago. <clears throat> and I, my trick question was, uh, this was, I wrote it during the Stanley Cup Finals of 2010 when Chicago was playing uh, Philadelphia. And I asked, I, I opened with a trick question, which, which goalie has won the cup for both the Blackhawks and the Flyers? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the Flyers were the Edmonton Flyers that he played yes. for. But uh, rumor has it that uh, the Philadelphia Flyers name came from the Edmonton Flyers. And of course, guys like uh, like uh, Bud Poyle and Keith Allen that were running that team played mm-hmm. on those Edmonton Flyers. Like there's a direct connection there. Yeah. So the, I, there's that that kind of has a little bit of juice, but that's just a little, we're giving you a little, some uh, 60s and even 50s mandatory sports references. We usually only go back <laughs> to the 70s, David and I. Uh, Tonight we're going to dig a little deeper because of the exceptional situation and uh, i just loved seeing how the team responded to that tonight that was a real real yeah and and i wasn't able to see uh, jack campbell's interview in hockey night in canada just because i'm trying to save my battery power but Mm -hmm. it it looked like he was the happiest guy in the rink for matt you know which is which is pretty par for the course for what we know about jack campbell's personality but it was Mm -hmm. it was pretty see pretty cool to see the two goalies embrace there when they were when they were cheering him on at the end so yeah, well, it's uh, it's it's one of those sort of feel good things that comes along once in a very long while. So we might as well celebrate it. I feel a obl- obl- I'm going to have to give him a ten. I, I don't well, have a choice. You can't give him an incomplete. <laughs> no, 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 and I, you know, I just anyway. Uh, he achieved, he achieved a number of career firsts today, so I'm going to give him be giving him a few bonus points. You know, first yeah. contract, first NHL game, uh, you know, and then those pristine numbers that I mentioned, and then of course this Hockey Night in Canada interview. That's got to add up to yeah, to for 10. sure. If anybody so, gives you a guff, I'll back you up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, there's no other way to play it. I mean, we got to uh, uh, completely. If, if we were deadly serious about every single thing that we did here, then maybe we would say, "Well, uh-huh. that's just you know, I came in and mopped up." But well, didn't Sam Gagne the, get all three stars one night? Like it's he did. He got he got a ten too. Yeah, yeah I mean, he got you know, points. So he got, he got a ten. <laughs> And uh, we broke our a rule of rules on the night Ben Scrivens got the 59 save shutout, and Jonathan Willis gave him an 11. <laughs> he had my full backing because that was so above and beyond the call. Uh, I was at that game there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was something else. Yeah, the professor. 59 save shutout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, every once in a while, an Oiler does something special, and then in this case, it's a. Uh, you know, just a, a, a footnote in a way, but I, I just want, if you can't smile after that, then. Absolutely. Then, the, yeah, I don't want to finish that sentence. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure glad I got to do the podcast with you after this game and not after the Columbus game. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah no, we're doing a lot more sort of chuckling and laughing and. I can imagine virtual high fiving tonight than we were doing. David and I were doing on Wednesday night, but you know what? Seven zero and one in the last eight, right? Nothing so to sneeze at. There's one right? little tiny black mark there, and it wasn't even like a a, 
a regulation loss. It was just mm-hmm. a point that got away, not not an entire game. So 100. percent Yep. They've uh, they've made some real major inroads of the on the standings in the last while. At a time when the Pacific Division has been pretty hot. Well, you going into a lot the game, in the last the ten games are six two and two. Yeah. Yes, yeah. all five of them. And let's just have a quick look here before we sign off. Where are the Pacific? Because a lot of teams are going to break now. Yeah, I'm just going to do the same oh, thing here. Seattle 63, Vegas 62, Los Angeles 62, Edmonton 60, Calgary 57. And so what is it by uh, by points percentage? By percentage, it's uh, Seattle 643, Vegas 608, Edmonton 600. Los Angeles 596, Calgary 570. Right. So we got two games in hand. Edmonton's got two games in hand on uh, on LA. One on Vegas. One on Vegas, for, who they're two points behind, so they can only yeah. tie them with a win. But LA, they're two points behind them with two games in hand, so they've actually got a better points percentage. So they're sitting pretty, and yet, you know, you look at the last 10 games, and only Vegas is going down. Edmonton 7-1 and 2, so that's the best. Uh, Seattle 6-3 and 1, LA 6-4 and 0, Calgary 5-3 and 2, and Vegas 2-6 and 2, and their grip on first place has suddenly uh, come unglued because they they got injuries. Yeah. yeah but it's uh, <clears throat> it's been a division where you got to win just to hold your own some nights, and yep. the Oilers have been doing that and even making up ground. So this has been a real key stretch. Indeed. So nice time, I guess, in a way, to be going into a break. Another way you think, let's play again tomorrow. You know, let's keep going while you're going good. But uh, mm-hmm. on the other hand, they can go to into this break with a smile on their face and uh, enjoy a good vacation. And, uh, yep, R- rest up some bumps and bruises. Yep. February 7th, they go on a four-game and six-day road trip in the east. And that will be, uh, that'll be uh, the next test. But they're they're playing... Uh, they're playing strong teams, but they're playing like a number of road games in rapid succession. So it's it's not a not an easy go at all. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, that's uh, that's what's next. But in the short term, uh, we may have to do a three man podcast next week just to talk about the general state of the team because uh, we actually got enough of a break that we can step back and look at the big picture rather than zooming in on each night's game as it comes rapidly one after the other yeah that would be great i'd be up for that and the power should be back on by then so you can count me in (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll we'll be in touch about that and uh, we'll be in touch with you the audience about that but uh, for now let's sign off on tonight's podcast uh, with another thank you to kurt for pinch hitting for david tonight happy to be here right on and thanks to you the audience for listening And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.